The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. It looks like we're finally going to get the Mueller report, but will it be redacted? Attorney General William Barr testifying in the Rayburn House office building, where I still am. So much action up on Capitol Hill earlier today, and he testified before the House Appropriations Committee Chairwoman Nita Lowy, a Democrat from New York, and said that he's going to release the report, quote-unquote, within one week. But there's going to be redactions in this Mueller report when it is finally released. I'll bring you my interview with Chairwoman Lowy later in the program. And as we speak, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin testifying just behind me inside of the House Rayburn building before the House Financial Services Committee. A lot of action there tomorrow as well as the big bank CEOs are going to testify. We're anticipating comment from Secretary Mnuchin later this hour. We will bring it to you live as it happens. So many moving parts up on Capitol Hill. It has been a remarkable day inside of Rayburn. Attorney General Willie Barr getting things started earlier this morning, testifying before the House Appropriations Committee. Uh, and he said essentially that he's going to release special counsel Robert Mueller's report within a week. And he offered some explanations for the material that he's going to be withholding. Eric Wasson is a congressional reporter for Bloomberg News. He has been on Capitol Hill all day today. He's with me here inside of Rayburn. And Eric, first of all, thank you for joining us. And secondly, Democrats are essentially saying either release the full report or it's not good enough. That's right. Uh, Barr is talking about uh, extensive redactions. He even said they're going to be color-coded redactions. Uh, there's, he says there's a lot of secret and top-secret information that can't be released. However, uh, Democrats are very skeptical. They're calling his uh, letter summarizing the finding a political document meant to pick out the best parts and highlight those parts that uh, protect the president, and they want to see the evidence. So it looks like uh, this, this uh, full Mueller report with the redactions will likely come out during the House recess when Democrats are not in town. This is, uh, seems to be intentional, in fact, to draw attention away from it. So what I find interesting is that this, if, if, if Attorney General Barr releases his report within the next week, you just hit the nail on the head. Lawmakers aren't in, in town next week. It's recess. So there's been all of this 
brouhaha over when we're finally going to get to see this thing. Now we find out that the respective committees that are going to receive it, or if it is released to the public, the lawmakers won't be here and that it will be redacted. We're going to have much more, much, much more on what Democrats are saying with regard to this. Coming up, my interview with Chairwoman Nita Lowy of the uh, House Appropriations Committee. She's got a lot to say about this and including that subpoenas might ultimately have to be issued. But meanwhile, if all of that wasn't enough, Bloomberg News having an exclusive scoop today, you really leading the way about how Speaker Pelosi is now finding herself as a political referee of sorts in between a budget cap fight. What does this mean for Speaker Pelosi? Well, look, Democrats are looking like they're in disarray on the issue of spending. We have liberals who are not satisfied by an $88 billion increase in domestic spending, demanding $33 billion more, and withholding their votes from the spending caps uh, legislation. It had to be pulled from the floor. It was going to be voted on uh, tomorrow. Uh, Moderates said they would not support the extra money that liberals wanted. In fact, they then uh, introduced a balanced budget amendment. That was a scoop that we had on the Bloomberg Terminal today. Uh, And it just really highlights heading into spending negotiations that would be needed to prevent a government shutdown at the end of September are getting off to a rocky start because Democrats cannot agree among themselves what the spending level should be. All right. I actually want to bring in, we're sitting here inside of the uh, House Rayburn building and Congressman French Hill, a member of the House Financial Services Committee, a Republican from Arkansas. You know, Congressman, first of all, Fancy running into you in the hallways, but it's been a remarkable hearing, and we've heard from Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, but I want to stick with Attorney General Barr for a second in the sense that he's saying he's going to release a redacted version of the Mueller report. Is that good enough for, for, from your perspective? Well, first, it's good to be with you. I think uh, uh, the Attorney General is going to follow the law and the regulations, which says that he can issue a redacted report if those redactions cover national security, grand jury testimony, or somebody who's incidental to the report, who's not uh, in any way substantive to the work. That's what Congress asked for. That's what we voted on in Congress to support. And if that's what he does, I can support that. But do you support essentially redactions if if, if there's going to be more questions? I mean, when I talk to Democrats outside of the hearing of House Appropriations, they say, there's going to be all these redactions. Why, why are we even having this conversation? I mean, don't the American people, Congressman, respectfully deserve to see all of the report? Well, I think the American people deserve to see all of the report they can legally see, which means they can't see classified information, they can't see grand jury testimony. That's a standard procedure. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump and nothing to do with this attorney general. That's been the policy of the U.S. Justice Department. All right. And uh, you were also in on this hearing with Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin. It's just a uh, it's a, it, we're, we're thinking it's going to end. Chairwoman Maxine Waters, though, has the gavel. We're going to anticipate to be hearing from him uh, once that hearing wraps. But he was pressed on taxes. He was pressed on whether or not President Trump ought to release those taxes. Uh, you were in on the hearing. What did you make of what the Treasury Secretary had to say? Well, I think the, the Treasury Secretary's view was that uh, The president's not legally obligated to release his taxes, and so I think that's the Treasury Secretary's view. My personal view is I think Donald Trump would be better off if he released his taxes, but I believe it's his decision to do that. Uh, And uh, just because other people have done it uh, doesn't obligate him to do it. He says he's under audit, but he's been uh, all over the map on that topic uh, during the course of the campaign and the presidency. Uh, So uh, that's where it stands today. 
and tomorrow, the big bank CEOs, Jamie Dimon, will be testifying before the House Financial Services Committee. Give us a preview from your perspective on what to expect tomorrow for a massive monumental hearing uh, in the House Financial Services Committee. Well, it is a big hearing tomorrow. We have the top uh, international bankers from the United States and our custody banks appearing before the committee. Maxine Waters, our chairman of House Financial Services, has uh, laid out the premise that the bank, these banks are too big to manage, has been her premise. Uh, I believe that we had a little bit of that conversation when uh, Tim Sloan from Wells Fargo was here a few weeks ago. That was uh, an understatement, a, a, a fiery hearing, to say the least. It was a fiery hearing, but the issue is we need the right culture, we need the right people in the street, in the seats, we need the right corporate governance, the right board to see to it that these companies are managed well. I think Jamie Dimon prides himself on good corporate governance, good executive execution, and so it's not a question of whether the companies are too big to manage, which is what uh, Maxine Waters suggests. It's do we have the right culture in place in these businesses? What do you think we're going to see from AOC as well as some of these other Democratic Socialist lawmakers when they get their chance at, at these, uh, these CEOs? Who knows? This is the great mystery of life on Capitol Hill. It's what's going to be uh, next on the agenda of the Democratic Socialists when they come to one of our hearings. All right, I, I want to leave it there. Congressman Frenchill, Republican from Arkansas, Devin a good Banks. friend of a good friend of Bloomberg, and we appreciate it. Best wishes. All right, appreciate that. Coming up, uh, we're anticipating comments live on Capitol Hill inside of the House Rayburn Building from Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin himself. That hearing uh, on the House Financial Services Committee just getting uh, un uh, just beginning to conclude. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes as well as at Bloomberg. Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. Eric Wasson stays, our Bloomberg congressional reporter. I stay, Kevin Cirilli, your chief Washington correspondent, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. What a day. What a day here on Capitol Hill. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio Chief Washington Correspondent. We are broadcasting from the House Rayburn Building because, well, so much news happened up here, I couldn't get back to the Bureau. We started out with Attorney General William Barr testifying before the House Appropriations Committee, saying he's going to release that redacted, keyword redacted, Mueller report uh, sometime within the next week. Democrats, including Appropriations Committee Chairwoman Nita Lowy, say that they, uh, that they want to see the full report. Meanwhile, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin was pressed up on Capitol Hill for a, a two rounds of hearings, one of which is still going on behind me, in the House Financial Services Committee building. And then you've got the developments on trade, and that's why I'm so glad that my colleague Eric Wasson, Bloomberg News congressional reporter, is with me for the hour. And the Democrats, Eric, are, are throwing themselves into this trade debate. Forget about what the president has to say or what UST or what U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer has to say. Democrats have demands on trade. What can you tell us about that? Well, Richie Neal is the uh, chairman of the powerful House Ways and Means Committee, which is in charge of trade. And he sent a letter to uh, USTR, to the U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer, outlining uh, the Democrats' concerns and, and goals. They want to see better labor and environment enforcement 
in order to um, pass this agreement. They, so, so they want to see better enforcement on the issue of uh, trade policy, but that's really the tension right now between the centrists in the party as well as the more progressives, no? Well, I think they're all pretty much aligned on that. There was something called the May 10th Agreement under the George Bush administration that allowed the Peru uh, Free Trade Agreement to go forward. That's something that they're looking to model this changes on. However, there are other changes that progressives want to drug patent protections. Biologic drugs, such as vaccines, would get 12 years of patent protection, of uh, data exclusivity, under the uh, agreement uh, negotiated by President Trump. And progressives do not want to see that. They want to see, uh, they're looking to reduce that number to seven years, uh, something that was proposed proposed under the Obama administration, and they're worried that this trade agreement would basically set this in stone. That is actually very divisive among Democrats, but, uh, you know, to get this thing through, it could end up becoming an issue. And what's fascinating is that there's still no guarantee, really, as to whether or not Democrats, or I'm sorry, yeah, Democrats are going to be able to get on board uh, with the USMCA or NAFTA 2.0 in particular. And and the president does need a good portion of House Democrats in order to get that support. Now, Speaker Pelosi has said that she's going to not use that as a bargaining chip. But in terms of the timeline here, with the president continually threatening tariffs, the Democrats divide really, really becomes a political calculus for the administration. Well, I mean, one thing that came out of this meeting uh, with President Trump and House Republicans was this idea that they only need 30 or 40 Democrats to pass this. But that ignores the fact that Nancy Pelosi has the gavel. Under President Bush, he sent up the Columbia Free Trade Agreement, and she just turned off the House rules, turned off fast track for trade, and said, hold on, we're putting the brakes on this until this thing gets renegotiated. Richie Neal is just really reifying that idea and reinforcing the idea that uh, Nancy Pelosi and her Democrats need to have their demands met in order for this thing to go forward. She can turn this uh, fast track legislation off that forces a vote uh, within uh, 60 days in Congress and basically say, uh, you know, wait until we, we get what we want. The big thing uh, that's happening, though, is Mexico needs to, uh, according to Pelosi, change its labor laws. And the uh, president of Mexico has said they will go forward and try to do that. Uh, once that clears uh, the Mexican Congress, we may see some movement as far as Trump submitting this agreement to Congress and further changes in the implementing bill. I was struck by this, Eric, because... President Trump kicked off, or really the reports overnight, uh, and really kicked off today in, in terms of the trade talks by saying that he's going to threaten tariffs on, I think, like $11 billion worth of goods coming from Europe on everything from Swiss cheese to oranges and Gouda cheese even. We were, we were I mean, what's he got against cheese? But And now, if that wasn't enough, the Europeans are saying, as... as uh, Senator Cory Gardner, a Republican from Colorado, said, why aren't the U.S. and Europe working together to go against China? And so I'm curious from your reporting up on here on Capitol Hill, is the administration sympathetic at all to the concerns of the Republican caucus, not the Democrats, but the Republican caucus, especially on the issue of tariffs? I think the administration is. The question is whether the president is or not. Certainly, uh, every time he comes up to the Senate Republican lunch, uh, he's confronted on the issue of trade. That's the biggest uh, issue of difference between Senate Republicans and the administration on trade and tariffs. Uh, you know, uh, Chuck Grassley, uh, the head of the Senate Finance Committee, which is in charge of trade, wants to see a resolution to the aluminum and steel tariff. 
uh, fights that have led to retaliation against agricultural products in his home state of Iowa and elsewhere throughout the Midwest. Uh, they want to see resolution to that. And I think Canada made a very important decision in the last couple of days to say it will not ratify the USMCA until the steer, uh, steel and aluminum tariff issue is resolved. I think that may give some momentum and some help to Senate Republicans and Democrats who want to see this change. Uh, but, you know, certainly uh, President Trump, uh, since the Mueller report turned out to be a bit of a, of a dud, he doesn't really have a major enemy uh, to rail against. So he's, he's taking up trade and immigration, two of his core issues, and going to bed almost every day with very high-powered rhetoric. So I think uh, as far as members of Congress, they're trying to dis- discern between the rhetoric and the actual policy changes that may be forthcoming. It's, it's really remarkable to, to hear all of that, especially as the pressure continues to mount on the Democrats and Republicans now in particular uh, about what to do, especially given the wake of all of these developments on trade. Again, if you're just joining us, President Trump now threatening tariffs against the Europeans, not just on increasing auto tariffs. Uh, and it's been, it's been remarkable. All right, I want to switch gears now because we started the day again with Attorney General William Barr testifying before the House Appropriations Committee. And after that hearing wrapped, I was able to catch up with the Appro- Appropriations Committee Chairwoman Nita Lowy, a Democrat from New York. And I want to play for you now that, that interview, which first aired, of course, on Bloomberg Television. Here's the Chairwoman. That is the question of the day. And if we don't get it very soon, I am convinced that the Judiciary Committee will subpoena that report and we need the whole report so we as members of Congress can fulfill our responsibility and read it cover to cover. Now, A.G. Barr said that he's going to issue some redactions of it. Are you, are, are you concerned, or what concerns do you have about some of those redactions? It's clear to me from this hearing and from other evidence that the Attorney General understands that he's an employee of the President of the United States of America. And if the President of the United States and others in the White House want to redact part of that report, He's not going to be able to challenge them. And so when he said he showed the four-page letter to the White House, he wouldn't tell me whether he made any changes. And when he shows the whole report to the White House, he's not going to tell us whether there are parts of it that were redacted. And there was some ambiguity as to whether or not the White House has been briefed or seen even the Mueller report, the 400-page Mueller report, or been briefed on it. I would doubt very much that someone in the White House, not the president, because he just watches TV, but I would think someone in the White House would have the responsibility of reading that report and discussing it with the attorney general so there can be joint decisions approved by the president as to what stays in the report and what is redacted. All right, and switching gears just quickly on, on the issue of the president's tax returns, what, uh, what can be done in terms of getting the president to release his tax returns? I think every call for the president's tax returns should be respected. He has an obligation to release his tax return. I pay taxes. A lot of people in Westchester pay taxes. Westchester and Rockland County, my district, are among the highest tax states in the nation. And the SALT legislation that the president put through, shame on him as a New Yorker. 
we should be able to deduct state and local taxes. Maybe he's spending too much time in Florida. Wow. House Appropriations Committee Chairwoman Nita Lowy, Democrat from New York, salty, talking salt, state and local tax deduction there at the end. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Coming up, we're going to have much more from live on Capitol Hill inside of the House Rayburn Building. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin still testifying, still testifying before the House Financial Services Committee, where all of the big bank CEOs will be tomorrow. We'll be here, too. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Not just me, but my talented colleagues as well. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. While we were in the break, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin briskly walking out, escorted by his staff to the vehicle that was waiting for him. Uh, he said he couldn't talk to reporters. He, he, you know, he walked right past reporters. He said House Financial Services Committee Chairwoman Maxine Waters kept him a half hour past however long he was going to stay. I'm here inside of the Rayburn building watching it unfold right before me with my colleague Eric, Eric Wasson, a, a congressional reporter. Then we're literally standing outside of the Wright-Patman room, the House Financial Services Committee chairwoman, and we're watching, you ready for this, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talk with Jesse Jackson, literally on, inside of the room. We don't know what they're talking about. If we can get them to tell us what they're talking about, we will obviously uh, bring that to you. And it's been a remarkable day simply because tomorrow the House Financial Services Committee will be, uh, will be going uh, right to hear from the testimony of the big bank CEOs and it's going to be remarkable because you've got Jamie Dimon testifying. And this is really an opportunity, folks, uh, for, for the House Financial Services Committee uh, to, to really go. And, and I'm going to try to – I'm actually going to uh, – here, I'm going to break into this guy. I go, Congresswoman, you are live on Bloomberg Radio right now. What, what, can you give us a preview of tomorrow's hearing with the big bank CEOs? What are you going to be looking for? Uh, when we meet tomorrow, we're going to be doing what is expected of any committee in their oversight responsibility. Uh, we will be doing this um, anytime. That's been here for 10 years. All right, and that was, thank you, Congresswoman. That was House Financial Services Committee Chairwoman Maxine Waters. She's giving us a preview of the uh, hearing tomorrow. Eric, what did you make in terms of we heard from tomorrow as to what precisely will happen? Well, you know, 
I think the key takeaway is that we've got to take right now is what Mnuchin was saying right before the end of his testimony. He said the U.S. financial system is preparing for the U.K. to crash out of the EU and it will cause massive global disruption. This is the biggest warning we've heard yet from Steve Mnuchin about Brexit. Um, we also heard from him today that uh, he will follow the law, he said, when it comes to releasing President Trump's tax returns. Separately, IRS Commissioner Charles Reddick also said he will be making the decision, along with Treasury, to whether or not to release Trump's tax returns. These are very significant developments. They are on the record saying they will follow the law, and if the law ultimately decides, to, uh, could even go to the Supreme Court, that President Trump needs to release his tax returns, uh, this is something that will come, may come back to haunt him. Yeah, it was really remarkable just to see this committee, the House Financial Services Committee, really be in the eye of the storm. Because you've got all of these different characters now pressing on the Democratic side, pressing for the release of the president's tax return. Treasury Secretary Mnuchin digging in, saying that he's, you know, not going to do it. And then now you've got the big bank CEO is set to testify tomorrow. It, it really is uh, truly remarkable. Uh, I want to uh, I, I just put into context, though, just from the Treasury Secretary's perspective, every source that I've spoken with at the Treasury Department has essentially said they've been preparing for this battle for quite some time. Uh, coming up, we're going to hear from Senator Cory Gardner, a Republican from Colorado. He's uh, working... Uh, with, get this, Senator Elizabeth Warren on marijuana legislation. Uh, and remember, you can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Busy day here on Capitol Hill. I'm still inside at the House Rayburn building. Uh, and, and earlier today in the Senate, I was able to catch up with Senator Cory Gardner. He's a Republican from Colorado. And I, and I got his take on trade policy, but also on a piece of legislation that has President Trump's support as well as, you ready for this? Senator Elizabeth Warren. No, you did not mishear me. President Trump is backing legislation that Senator Elizabeth Warren, Democratic presidential candidate, is a co-sponsor of, and it involves marijuana. Take a listen to my conversation with Senator Gardner from earlier today. Well, this is a, a bill that's not focused on legalization, as some approaches to marijuana have been, but it's a bill that actually deals with the current challenge we have between the conflict of federal and state law. So the bill that Senator Warren and I have introduced basically says if a state decides that it wants to legalize marijuana, whether that's medical or recreational or any other kind of form, then once the state does that, it basically carves itself out of the federal prohibition. And the federal prohibition has made a lot of uncertainty, especially for financial institutions in terms of whether or not they can get involved. And ultimately, some would argue that leads to safety concerns. It's created a lot of uncertainty, and it's created a lot of sort of black market concerns where you didn't need to have one had they done had the federal government handled this appropriately to begin with. And so in Colorado alone, if you look at our industry, it's about a $2 billion cash economy. And you've got $2 billion of cash floating around in armored vehicles and warehouses it needs to get out of the shadows and into some transparency, and that's why the financial services part of this is so important. You said armored vehicles, and I don't think people really yeah. fully understand precisely what that means. You've literally got this legalized right. in, in states like Colorado, as well as now California and others, 
and they're literally having to put cash in armored yeah. cars. With the paramilitary force, basically, to try to protect this cash from people who wish to, you know, rob or steal or, or, or the cartel involvement. So uh, this is a big challenge. And this isn't going away. And I think that's my point to Congress has been, let's not keep our head in the sands on this. And let's make sure we address this problem. And President Trump, you've said, has, yeah. has said he's going to sign it. Yeah, he would sign it. And that's uh, something that he has been supportive of from day one when the Jeff Sessions reversed the Coleman Memorandum, which was basically the, the guidance document for all of this up until Jeff Sessions uh, reversed it. Okay, but all of this would be gone away if, if the AG's office, the Department of Justice, wouldn't label marijuana as a, a drug. It certainly could do that. There's a couple of different approaches. I mean, they could deschedule it. They could do that through their own. I think it sounds like they're waiting for Congress to take that step because they don't want to internally. There's a number of ways you could do this. And again, I think the, the approach that, that Senator Warren and I have has been the one that has, has achieved the most, uh, the most support, bipartisan support, because it, it's not about legalization. You're not making a determination on whether you want to legalize marijuana nationally. You're not making a determination on scheduling issues. You're simply saying, hey, if your state makes a decision that's different than federal law, then we're going to respect that state's decision to do that, and it's going to be fine, and it will be in compliance instead of out of compliance with federal law. Fascinating issue. Switching gears, yeah. U.S.-China trade policy, right. big issue for your state. Yeah. You've been really at the forefront of this as a member of the Commerce Committee. Where do yeah. things stand, and where do you want to th see things end up when President Trump and President Xi finally, whenever they meet and come face to face? Well, I think the, the world has really, the, globe, the global trade coalition has really woken up to the practices of China when it comes to trade over the past uh, decade. This morning, there are reports that the European Union has grown more and more frustrated with China. Uh, they had a, they thought some agreements in place a year ago that were going to be executed by China, but now they're frustrated that China hasn't stopped some of the state-owned enterprise issues or the forced transfer of technology. That's a concern the United States continues to carry out, something that I'm very concerned about. But I don't believe in tariffs. I don't think the tariffs approach is the right thing. I think that hurts our economy. It's a tax on American consumers. And so, yes, we ought to join with our European Union colleagues and say to China, hey, the European Union, the United States, our partners in Southeast Asia, we're going to collectively stand up to China. We're going to uh, organize in a, in a cooperative way against China uh, to make sure they change their behavior. I think that's more effective and more economically beneficial than a, than a one-off tariff strategy. And yet President Trump is, is signaling that he would raise tariffs against the Europeans as well. I, I know. Again, I think this is a dangerous uh, economic policy to have tariffs. I don't like it. I think we should uh, negotiate. I think we should get coalitions together of like-minded countries and uh, behaviors. Uh, but I think when it comes to tariffs, it really is disruptive to trade, and it certainly breaks up supply chains that you may never be able to put back. That was Senator Cory Gardner, a Republican from Colorado, speaking about the president's tariffs. Uh, and I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg News Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We're broadcasting from inside of the House Rayburn building. Uh, while we were listening to that interview, you can check out the full interview on the Bloomberg Business app as well as on BloombergTV.com. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez walked out, walked out of the House Financial Services Committee room here in Rayburn. She was meeting with Jesse Jackson. No clue on what, but I asked her to give me a preview of what precisely uh, she's going to be wanting to hear from Jamie Dimon tomorrow, from uh, Brian Moynihan, uh, all of the big CEOs who are going to be testifying before the House Financial Services Committee. And uh, she said she's got a lot of questions, and no doubt she will be asking them. With me for the hour, my colleague Eric Wasson, who has been so generous with his time, and more importantly with his reporting today, because he's really followed, especially today, the divide between the Democrats uh, and we saw an explosive moment 
between House Financial Services Committee Chairwoman Maxine Waters and Treasury Secretary Mnuchin here in Rayburn. What can you tell us about it? Well, that's the moment's going to go viral from this hearing. When uh, the hearing was about to uh, wrap up, Mnuchin was saying he had another meeting to go to, but Waters, the, the, uh, the chairwoman of the committee, uh, said that other members had questions, and she tried to negotiate that the Treasury Secretary would stay. They got into a very testy exchange. A lot of Democrats are uh, irate about how the Treasury Secretary responded to the chairwoman. Uh, he said he's being ordered to stay. He does not want to stay. He refused to cancel a meeting and basically walked out of the hearing. This is uh, going viral on Twitter and other social media platforms, and I think it's going to become the memorable uh, moment of this meeting uh, where, you know, you really see the Trump administration coming really uh, to loggerheads with a new House Democratic majority, with being uh, having real oversight from a, an opposition party. It's a really remarkable day following multiple developments, including, of course, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin defending President Trump on the issue of not releasing the tax returns. He says he's going to comply with the law, a moment of high political drama unfolding between House Financial Services Committee Chairwoman Maxine Waters and Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, who abruptly ended the hearing and walked out of it, uh, cutting short a planned conversation with reporters. And then meanwhile, the day beginning, of course, with the other major takeaway here coming from Washington, and that is that we're finally going to get that Mueller report within a week. This, according to Attorney General William Barr's testimony before the House Appropriations Committee, uh, that testimony came this morning. He said we're going to get this report, but there's going to be redactions. Democrats, including Appropriations Committee Chairwoman Nita Lowey, she told me they want to see the entire, entire report. So we end this day much like we started it, Eric, which is we're getting the report a week from now, but it's, it's not going to make either side, or Democrats, it's not going to make Democrats satisfied. Uh, and we're still going to be talking about the Mueller report when we get the redactions. Well, the biggest question is how much is going to be redacted. A funny item, uh, one of our competitors, Washington Post, is selling, uh, pre-selling copies of the Mueller report on Amazon.com. But what if it's almost all redacted? I wonder if they'll reduce the price. I mean, at the end of the day, Steny Hoyer was asked about this today. He said, you know, it really depend on the level of redactions. There's reports coming out from people at Mu on Mueller's team that they're not happy, uh, that uh, Mueller was not consulted in uh, Attorney General Barr's letter uh, summarizing the findings. And uh, really, there's a sense that, uh, you know, we got to see the report. And if it's heavily redacted, subpoenas will be flying here in Congress. They are going to be flying. I mean, they might as well already get them out. Uh, anything else on your radar besides all the, big, the biggest news of the day? Well, I think, you know, the fact that the House Democrats cannot come together on a budget position really bodes ill. You know, we've seen the debt limit, which needs to be increased sometime probably before the fall. We're seeing budget caps. If they're not uh, dealt with automatics across the board spending cuts between 9 and 11 percent in most accounts happening, is Congress going to be able to overcome the partisan divide, overcome the, the deep animosity between the Trump administration and Democrats that we saw on display today at the Mnuchin hearing and come together on some deals? Uh, it's looking unlikely likely. Eric Watson, and if all that wasn't enough, also had that scoop today about the uh, the uh, the blue the, the not the blue the house the blue dogs the blue, dog. the blue dog Democrats the centrist Democrats in the House of Representatives saying they want to have a balanced budget amendment, and then of course that has Speaker Nancy Pelosi uh, really having to, to referee between the Democratic Socialists and the centrists. I want to thank our entire team uh, in New York as well as here broadcasting with us uh, live on Capitol Hill. 
And you can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at radio.com as well as on a host of other uh, different radio platforms. That does it for me. Busy day tomorrow. We're going to have full court coverage of the House Financial Services Committee with the big bank CEOs. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.